And tonight we're going to look at abiding in his purging. Abiding in his purging. Uh, be looking at verses 1 through 6. Now last time we looked at abiding in God's purpose. Which is what? What is our purpose? Purpose is to bear fruit. God is pleasant with the fruit of the vine. Uh, most of us have a favorite fruit. Uh, how many of you have a favorite fruit? I do too. Uh, my favorite fruit is peaches in this form. It's fruit, isn't it? Good, healthy peaches. Well, there's, yeah, uh, there's peach pie, there's blueberry pie, there's strawberry pie, there's cherry pie, and on and on you can go. It's fruit. Uh, we can go to the store, we can choose it, take it home, enjoy it. But fruit does not just appear at the grocery store. I guess we could ask Sandy if that's true or not. It doesn't just appear. Uh, somebody's got to take it off the truck, and somebody's got to put it out on the shelves. Uh, there's a process, though, that even goes on before that, before it gets on the truck. Uh, the planting, uh, the watering, the cultivating, the growing, the harvesting, and the transporting uh, from the orchard to the grocery store. And uh, so it is with the Christian life. There's a process for bearing fruit. Fruit does not just appear uh, in a Christian's life. If you're going to bear fruit, spiritual fruit, we need to be willing to endure the rigors of growth. Now, for growth to occur, uh, several key contributors must take place. First, there's the water of God's word. Uh, again, Psalm 1, verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Uh, and it's foolish, uh, if one, uh, it, would, it would be foolish for one to think that a tree could live without water. Uh, and yet it's even more absurd to think of someone trying to bear fruit apart from God's word. Uh, you must be planted, and best to be planted in a church where the water of the word is, runs freely. And uh, you must spend time daily in God's word to satisfy your need for spiritual nourishment. But also, there is spiritual receptivity. There's a word for you. Spiritual reps, reps, <laughs> now I can't even say it. Spiritual receptivity. That is an open and submissive heart toward the word of God. The Bible speaks of this in Matthew 13, 33. Uh, it says, but he that receives seed unto the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it. Now, Jesus likened those who receive the word of God on good ground, uh, he likened it to, to a withered flower receiving a cool rain on a summer day. Uh, the mind is receptive, the heart is open. And like a farmer who prepares his land by plowing, a Christian must prepare his heart by choosing to be, a te be tender to the word of God. Luke 6, 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Uh, 
people who uh, uh, sometimes leave church will have the excuse, well, I left because I wasn't getting anything out of it. I've heard that excuse before. Uh, and included in the meaning of their statement is that they were not putting anything into it. Uh, the Bible principle remains true. Give and it shall be given unto you. You will receive in direct proportion to your preparation. How much time do you take to prepare your heart even before a church service? And what kind of ground does the seed of God's word fall upon in your life? Uh, Hosea uh, was accurate when he admonished the children of Israel in Hosea 19 and verse 12. Sow to yourself in selves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Now, if a Christian is going to bear fruit from time to time, there will be a purging that is directed by the Heavenly Father. And that's the process that uh, is spoken of here in John 15 of pruning, a process of pruning. It's not always a pleasant process, nor is it always at the time that we would choose but there must be a trimming, there must be a shaping, there must be a chastising by the loving Heavenly Father uh, to, for us to experience the abundant fruit of the abiding relationship. Now, a man completely re, uh, dejected by life's afflictions was walking one day in a botanical garden uh, in Oxford when a fine pomegranate tree caught his eye. And one of the stems had been cut deeply with a pruning knife. And upon asking the gardener the reason, he received an answer that shed new light on his troubled soul. Sir, said the gardener, this tree used to shoot up and out so strongly that it bore nothing but leaves. Therefore, I was obligated to cut it in this manner. It was almost cut through. And then it began to bear plenty of fruit. And so the contributors to fruit bearing are water of the word and spiritual receiving. And then the idea which we're studying, abiding in Christ, remaining. Abiding in Christ is remaining in him, even though there might be some unpleasant purging. The most difficult aspects needed for growth is purging. If you've ever grown a fruit tree, you know that before you can enjoy the product, there must be a time of purging. Uh, in the same way, a Christian's life requires purging. Uh, before you can experience the product of an abundant fruit, God must purge your life by his grace. And he'll do that through his word, through prayer, and even through trials. He promises strength and grace during the purging. He promises more abundant blessing and fruitfulness after the purging. Now, what do we mean by purging? The definition of purging would be to make free of impurity, to rid of unfriendly elements. And the vine is Christ, the branches are proven to wander full of their own will. And so we're going to see here there's three reasons why we should patiently abide in Christ during times of purging. Purging 
signifies the providence of God. Purging reminds us of God's divine providence. He has gone before us with his will. He is sovereign. He has a plan for our lives, and he is in control. In verse 1, you notice two things. God is the husbandman, and God has authority over the branches. God is the vine dresser. He has authority over the, the branches. And like a father who knows best for his child, God the Father knows what's best for us. And like a father who lovingly yet sternly disciplines a child for, say, running into the street, our Heavenly Father wants us to abide in Christ. A little boy who plays out in the middle of the street is acting against his father's will. Uh, that father will go to his son, maybe bring him back to the house, reprove him through loving discipline. And our Heavenly Father does the same thing. He loves us so much, he loves us too much to let us stray. And when we come, become prone to wander and run from his will, he brings us back to safety, the safety of the abiding relationship with Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. He, if we endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then all are ye bastards and not sons. And so a Christian who resists the Holy Spirit by repeatedly saying no to God, and by repeatedly refusing to yield his own will, is forcing God to purge his life. As the husbandman, he can even take a branch away from the vine if he chooses. Now, no church can do that. No individual can do that. But only the husbandman, God the Father. Uh, this doesn't mean that the, there's a loss of salvation but it can mean a literal removal from this earth. If a person resists the Holy Spirit, bears no fruit, and then he is missing the very purpose for his living. And God desires for every Christian to bear fruit and glorify him. God is the husbandman, and he has the authority. Now in verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. You go down to verse 6, and it says there, If a man abide not in me, he has cast forth as a branch and is withered. Here we find that uh, God can take an unfruitful branch away, and he can judiciously sever uh, from this life. 1 John 5 and verse 16 says, If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for him that sin, that sin is not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he, sh he should pray for it. And so if a person resists the Holy Spirit, he will bear no fruit. And then he will prune a, even a fruitful branch. You know, it's easy to assume that an individual living for himself would need some pruning, but here the Bible is referring to someone who's already fruitful. 
There are Christians who are faithful to church. There are those who teach a Sunday school class. There are those who bring family uh, to church and sincerely live for Christ. Yes, even faithful, godly Christians need God's purging. Now, the purging may not be chastisement, but it is nevertheless God's way of shaping us and molding us to his will. The Lord can prune even a faithful branch. He may do, uh, be do, you may be doing your best to serve God, but you still need to come under some type of pruning process. When you face a hardship, a trial, remember God only prunes for your profit, for your betterment, for your productivity. And he purges so that you can bear more fruit. So purging signifies the providence of God. And secondly, purging increases the performance of God's people. Again in verse uh, 2, he said, In every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, How does the purging increase the performance of God's people? First of all, by renewing the object of affection between you and God. Is there anything that's drawing your affection? If there is anything between you and God drawing your affection away from God, then you probably need some purging in your life so you can bear more fruit. And by removing the object of affection, God is now able to produce more fruit freely. Secondly, by keeping us disciplined to the vine. Uh, in every trouble of a Christian, the Father can be found pointing us back to Christ. If you uh, have ever uh, grown some grapes on a, on a vine or seen the productive vineyards in some parts of the country, branches need to be... Uh, tautly held to the vine. And God uh, intends for us to remain attached to him even during our times of trials and affliction. Some of the most fruitful Christians are those who have stayed faithful through the most difficult trials. Uh, they have clung to the vine, Jesus Christ, and they grow stronger. Uh, and they are producing greater fruit in their lives. It seems that often when a Christian begins to have trials in their lives, they get away from God. Uh, they get away from reading the Bible. They get away from being faithful to church. They get away from being around God's people. And that's just the time we need the reading and the preaching of the word. We need the encouragement of other Christians. And yet the Christian who turns his back on God during times of purging is the Christian who has another trial awaiting him and another lesson that must be learned. And that's why Paul would say in Romans 5, in verse 3 through 5, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Paul was able to praise God in his tribulations. I wonder, can you do that? Can you praise God even though there's a trial? Paul realized that 
as he was going through the tribulations and the difficult times, God was placing patience and hope within him. And through the trial, God was teaching him something that he could never learn in a Sunday school class or in a Bible college or in a Sunday service. And that's why Paul would later spring to his feet and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ in Romans 1 and verse 16. God was teaching him that through the burdens come blessings. I wonder, do you desire to bear greater fruit for Christ? Are you willing to endure the present purchings Urging so you can fulfill a greater purpose. We need to let the strength of Christ flow through our hearts, through the abiding relationship and hope for tomorrow. The purging that we face now could only yield greater reward when the harvest comes. So purging signifies the providence of God. It increases the performance of God's people. And thirdly, it facilitates a purification of God's people. A purification of God's people. And here, Jesus would turn to his disciples, perhaps as he spoke these words, and uh, even in chapter 15, he perhaps even had a vineyard in view, and he was preparing them for his impending death, burial, and resurrection. He was very interested at this point in their being clean or set apart for the task at hand. And so we could say they were cleansed as a group. Verse 3, it says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. They had been cleansed as a group by the words that Jesus spoke, and probably uh, even by the removal of Judas from their midst. Uh, Judas was the one who had the outward appearance of belief, but never truly put his faith in Jesus Christ. As a result, he was removed from their midst. And sometimes God will purge a group or a church, and there will be those who are removed by the providence of God. God is concerned with spiritual purity. There have been those who once attended our church, either regularly or not so regularly, uh, but they're no longer a part of our church family. And we haven't seen them for a long time. Uh, that's not something we like to see or experience. We wish uh, they would still be a part of our church family, and yet perhaps God in some way has purged our church of them uh, from us. I don't know. I, can't, I don't know how to get into God's mind other than what he says in his word. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. That's the only way I can know what, what God's intent was, but I don't know how he deals with individual people. Now, does that mean uh, we're perfect here and we're, we have no faults? No, none of us are in that category. Certainly does not, and yet I believe God purges even a church from time to time. He not only spoke to his disciples as a group, but he spoke to them in their need to be cleansed as an individual. God is concerned that in our lives, we stay right with him. He desires we keep short accounts with him and that we regularly confess and forsake sin. Purging is a part of God's purification process. His word is a cleansing agent. His word is a pruning tool to mold us into the image of Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 verse 12, 
For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word of God is quick. That means it's alive. And it enters into our life with power, the power to cleanse and to purify us before God. Why? It's because purging always produces more fruit. Remember that God has a purpose for purging. He desires us to be pure vessels, bearing fruit that pleases him. And perhaps some of you are experiencing some great burden tonight. Perhaps you're in the midst of some great trial. And if you're running from God, his purging brings chastisement. Be sure to turn back to the Lord. Stay in touch with his word. If God's trying to touch your life and bring you closer to the vine, Jesus Christ, then bend willingly at the touch of God's hand and simply say, God, I acknowledge you today that I'm just a branch and you are the vine. I acknowledge you are the husbandman. If this trial in my life is meant to draw me closer to Jesus, then I accept it and I claim your grace to see me through. 1 Peter 1.7 says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. If you abide in Christ through time of purging, one day you'll be able to praise God, thank God for his goodness in your life when you see him face to face. James 1, verse 3 and 4, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So often during trials, we're tempted to turn away from God and return maybe to old friends or old lifestyles. We're tempted to return to old sinful habits, the fleshly life. Instead of abiding faithfully, remaining in the word of God, keeping a sensitive heart, abiding in Jesus Christ, we're tempted to withdraw from God. And as a result, we limit God's potential work in our hearts. Now, God will not force his work upon you. You must allow it. So don't run from, from pruning. Don't turn your back on God. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And God's plan for our earthly life is not over till the trumpet sounds. Life's mishaps and tragedies are not a reason to bail out or run from God. They're simply reasons to stay faithful, to stay hopeful. They're reasons to abide and wait for the greater fruit that, that will come as we remain in him. You know, when a train goes through a tunnel, the world gets dark. Do you jump, jump out? No, of course you don't. You sit still and you trust the engineer to get you through. How do you deal with purging? Well, what's the cure for purging? The answer is found in abiding in Jesus Christ. You aren't the first person to, to weep. You aren't the first person to need help. 
God is still on the throne. Your day to bloom is just around the corner. So abide. Trust the engineer to see you through the tunnel. And greater fruit is just ahead in your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for these wonderful verses here in John 15 and the truths that are contained here concerning abiding in Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we will be faithful even when the trials come, not to give up, not to say that you don't love us because we know you do. And we know that you have something special for us. We pray your blessing of this lesson to our hearts tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.